Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 76 of the Mountain Bike Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Cayley, and today I am not joined by Jared because he is in Palm Springs relaxing in the sun, tanning his feet, painting his toenails. But we have an excellent replacement, Mr. Liam Woods. Hi, guys. <laughs> Great intro. Liam Woods uh, has been on the Worldwide Cycler team for several years and started out as uh, the head mechanic, and now he does a million different things. What do you do, Liam? Um, well, I still take on some of those head mechanic roles and some detailed bike builds. Uh, more than that, I do a lot of media and marketing would be a umbrella term. Um, everything from reviewing products, writing blogs, doing some, uh, website pages and landing pages to some descriptions here and there. Um, I also do manage a lot of the merch, the worldwide cycling merch as well. A lot of hats, a lot of hats working on some other projects as well, but, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, solid. Love it. Well, um, Liam, if for you guys that didn't catch that or notice, a lot of the YouTube videos we do are all accompanied by blog articles, and the blog articles have a lot more in-depth technical sort of writing and analysis on all of the products, and they go way more in detail than I typically go on the YouTube videos. Um, Liam writes all those articles. He is like an extremely well-versed, knowledgeable bicycle nerd, you could say. Um, so we're going to utilize that talent and that knowledge he has in this episode and talk a good bit about um, bike tech stuff that should hopefully be helpful to all of you guys. And I also recently just got a note here that it's episode 77, not 76. So for all of you listening, sorry about that if I confused you. <laughs> um Moving on. The notes uh, are wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I typed those notes, oh, so that was gotcha. my, that was my fault. You are wrong. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of, you know, the, we're still getting used to the podcast thing. We're still working out some kinks in the audio. We also were working out some situations where if people get too far away from the microphone, it was I thought it was a good idea to buy a Nerf gun that DJ Pineapple over here could shoot the person in the neck when they, that's the sound of a Nerf gun. Jiminy Christmas. Um, I thought it'd be a good idea if somebody leans too far away from the mic, shoot him in the neck with a Nerf gun to let him know to lean closer to the mic. Um, and we got too powerful of a Nerf gun, and it'd probably really hurt if you got hit in the face with it. Anyways, we're still working out some of the kinks here. Uh, if you want to see the Nerf gun, we are now putting these podcasts on a new YouTube channel that's an M2B podcast YouTube channel. Uh, they're pretty boring. I was told I can't even look at the camera because, oh, you should turn the volume down there. Uh, I was told I can't even look at the camera because uh, it makes the audio bad. So anyways, before we dive into the bike tech stuff, um, I wanted to give a quick update on the bike industry as a whole. And uh, I think everyone kind of already knows where it's at. There was insane demand because of COVID. And now we're in this situation of really, really bad inventory levels of anything and everything. It is slowly starting to come back to normal and things are trickling in, but everyone, the entire supply chain has just been thrashed in terms of products taking forever to show up and um, delays of freight and all sorts of stuff. So it's hard to find what you need to find, whether you're looking for a pair of gloves or tires or an entire new bike, or I don't know, just about anything. What, what is in stock? Um, I'd probably say drivetrain components is yeah. what I see that's most in stock. Tires trickle in and shipments of, you know, 
couple hundred, but it's a specific tire that comes in. So um, Max's Minion DHF might be in stock in an EXO, but out of stock in a double down and DH casing. So yeah, just as really sporadic. Yeah, yeah, tires have been have been hit or miss like like most things, but they've seemingly been there a little bit more than some of the other stuff. Um, so because of that, I am very curious what's going to happen with Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Um, what we're going to do, and I mentioned this on the last episode, is we are actually going to be not doing a sale like we normally do, um, but rather we are going to uh, do a non-sale for NICA. So NICA, the National Interscholastic Cycling Association. That's really hard. Try and say that, Liam. I don't want to. <laughs> NICA. <laughs> um, they uh, they have basically they're a nonprofit that has made the sport of mountain biking an accredited sport in high schools all across uh, North America. An incredible organization that I really respect because I just think they're getting more kids on bikes, which is awesome. And we are going to raise prices on every single product on our site five dollars. So and that that five dollars, if you buy anything, those five dollars in whole will go will be donated to NICA. We're also not raising the prices on our gift cards, but we're still donating five dollars. So if you buy a hundred dollar gift card, you get a hundred dollar gift card, but then we cover the five dollars to NICA. And I'm still challenging our other retailers, our other competitors in the bike industry to admit their subpar inventory levels and actually uh, do something philanthropic for Black Friday. So do you think anyone will do that, Liam? Uh, at this point, we're a couple weeks out. It's possible. It's possible. Maybe a smaller guy. I don't think any any bigger ones will jump on that at this point. Yeah, if they I, haven't already. I'd be I'd be surprised if somebody is listening or or cares to do that and probably just wants to bask in the you know boost the top line revenue, do the black typical Black Friday sale. But I think Black Friday is going to be interesting for a lot of industries, especially the bike industry, um, and just the influx, the additional volume that like e commerce in general, online shopping has seen throughout the pandemic. So. Uh, anyways, there's your quick update on the bike industry and sort of what to expect for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Uh, I'm sure there'll still be some good sales out there and some cool stuff going on. But yeah, might be a lot harder to find what you wanted to get on sale this year than maybe what you did last year if you were trying to sneak some good bicycle industry buys um, during BFCM. So to jump into the bike tech stuff, uh, we're going to go over high-rise bars, pros and cons, bike maintenance tips uh, for weekend trips in particular, uh, and then tire combos. So our favorite combos, personal preferences, and how Liam is actually a good bit different than me when it comes to preferences. Uh, And then we're going to end, of course, with what we're riding, bikes, components, all of that. So Jumping in, high-rise bars, pros and cons. We did a YouTube video on high-rise bars, and it was very well-received. Um, those, The reason we did that video, the reason we do a lot of videos is because we see sales data. High-rise bars have been getting more and more popular um, over the last, uh, what, three years, would you yeah, say? Yeah, probably two or three years. Two or three years. Definitely in the last year, it's jumped a lot. Yeah, yeah, it has. And and I think people are just noticing, you know, people love to experiment with their bike and, and change things up. And um, bars are a pretty noticeable one. If your bike came with a, you know, 15 or 20 mil riser bar and you put a 35 on it, it's a pretty significant, like anyone will notice that change. Um, and there's pros and cons to it. And, and it does different things. I would like to, you know, kind of caution people to 
I don't know, experiment if you think it's fun, but also high-rise bars usually solve a problem. And usually that problem is if you feel like you're too leaned forward on your bike currently, um, and like you feel like you're going over the bars or your lower back is aching after rides, those are usually the problems, would you say, that like people would help people solve with high-rise bars? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, those are like the pretty obvious ones. Um, you know, back pain, you feel like you too far over the front, especially in rock gardens and steeper sections. Um, so that's where I think, you know, it's really easy to know if you need one. Um, another thing why I think they've gotten more popular, uh, is bikes that keep getting longer and longer. So that also kind of stretches you out and therefore puts your weight a little bit more over the front end as the bikes get longer. So I think bringing that front end up, you kind of get the best of both worlds. Um, you know, easily yeah. by bringing the, your body position up, but you still get a long wheelbase and a stable bike. So uh, those kind of go hand in hand with just what's being popular. Yeah, definitely. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, bikes, bikes are evolving pretty quickly every year that goes by. They get longer, lower and slacker as, as the saying goes. Um, and yeah, adjusting your own personal bike geo to make it feel more comfortable for you can help you ride the thing better and overall just give you a better ride. And like in the video I talk about, and it's pretty visual in the sense that, you know, bikes are purpose built for a reason, right? So if you look at a world cup cross country race bike, they're very leaned forward and pointed down, um, cause they're made predominantly for going fast on flat ground and up hills, um, and having, keeping the rider in an aerodynamic position, which is a totally different concept than what you'd be doing with an enduro bike or especially a downhill bike, which are going to be a lot more upright because they're made for predominantly being pointed downhill and riding at speed and at their limit going downhill. So um, just something to consider there. But yeah, when it comes to a trail bike or an enduro bike, you can kind of go either way. If, if you are more of a climber and you're climbing a lot, um, lowering the front end might actually help your climbing and help your body position. Um, but uh, you know, I think in our experience, most people are not super big climbers all the time these days. Um, yeah, we, we definitely serve more of the, the baggy short crowd of enduro and trail riders and, and, uh, you know, that's the crowd that can think like, wow, a high rise bar might actually help my back feel better. might make me feel more confident on downhill, make it a little bit easier to lift up that front wheel. If I'm trying to like hop over a rock or pull a wheelie or a manual. Um, so yeah, pretty interesting. Something I would like to elaborate on that I don't talk about in the video a ton is like my own personal preference, which for me on a trail bike, I'm probably always going to run a 20 mil rise bar. I'm never really going to go high. Um, that's because, you know, I grew up racing downhill and racing, well, super D, which is now just enduro. And I just like the feeling of, I won't say a low front end, but you know, I think it's as high as it needs to be. Um, I like that in terms of like the attack position and cornering and just lower center of gravity. I get why not everyone would like that, but that's my own preference. So yeah, I probably won't run a really high rise bar. Maybe when I'm 45 or 55 and my lower back hurts. But what about you, Liam? Don't categorize age. Minar just won a world cup. (laughs) Yeah, but I bet his back doesn't hurt. (laughs) Um, and he also runs a high setup. Um, yeah, he does. Like yeah. a lot of those Santa Cruz guys run like mm-hmm. unusually high setups yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, I think you personally do run a, a slightly lower than average front end as well. Just to touch on your personal preference, yeah. like um, you're on most bikes, your stem's pretty low 
on the stack height, you run a 20 mil bar. So, um, yeah, I think for myself, it's more or less finding the balance and what the bike's made for, right? My SP130, I have a little bit more setup to go downhill. So I'm going to sacrifice a little bit on that uphill uh, climbing position to have a better downhill feel. Yep. Um, like this morning, I was climbing a technical trail and yeah, I wish my bars were like 20, 30 mil lower to climb that. But then I went down a downhill trail right after it. So um, where my bars were at a perfect height. So I think it, it, it depends on what your situation is as well. Um, yeah, there's, find there's the, no the balance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Balance, balance is a good word for it. Right. Cause it's like, yeah, what are you doing mostly? What do you care about the most? I mean, unfortunately, like there is pretty much everything you do that makes your bike work better on a downhill. It's going to make it work worse on an uphill. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like that concept of like finding a balance, which for most people could be a higher rise bar. Cause for some reason, like most, you know, over the years we've seen all these different bike brands, like get their build kits way better, right? They all figured out like, oh, everyone who buys our bike puts a shorter stem and wider bars on it. Maybe next year we should just spec it with that. Um, Over the years, you know, bikes have come with way better and better, just like out-of-the-box build specs, but no one's doing high-rise bars, like out-of-the-box build specs that I've seen. Like everyone's Um, still doing pretty low bars, aren't they? Yeah, I'd say evil on the complete builds. I noticed that I think a year or two ago, mm-hmm. right coming with 30 or 35 mil riser oh, bars. Yeah. Um, and that kind of fits the brand's MO, yeah. right? Yeah, it does. They're definitely always ahead of the curve yeah. when it comes to that sort of thing. And, and just kind of, you know, more get to the top and have a lot of fun in the downhill is that True. kind of brand. And that's kind of what a higher rise bar most of the time lends itself to is you can climb fine. Obviously it just won't be as efficient or, attack position while you're climbing um but yeah you're gonna have a little bit more i guess i should say it's a little easier to pull up that front end when you're going downhill and and jumping around like you kind of would on an evil yep yeah yeah that totally makes sense and then you look at a brand like yeti which is like what's their slogan is like race bred race driven race driven Yeah. yeah so like they're, you know, they're less in terms of that playful thing. So like, they're probably never going to spec their bikes with high rise bars yeah. like that. Yeah. So I don't know, something to consider if, if you've currently got a bike that you feel like you're a little too far, far leaned forward on it, um, and rise 20 or 10 or 15 mil rise bars, um, peek around at something that's like 30, 35. It's definitely something that's like getting trendy and and you know a lot of people like for us like when we see things trend like that like a certain type of product there's always a reason and a lot of times it's like you know the the reasons are it's it's almost like a discovery process like people start discovering like something that they put on their bike that makes it work way better and then it hits a tipping point and they tell their buddies and their buddies are like oh that's a great idea and then they try that and that works and then it like hits this tipping point and then all of a sudden it starts trending and then you know becomes sort of a staple but that's definitely what's going on with high rise bars in the last few years and especially like you said in the last one year yeah so something to consider if you more more context on the whole thing um check out our youtube video on it if you haven't already seen it um Next topic, this one is your wheelhouse, Liam, uh, bike maintenance on weekend trips. So the weekend trips, I think, is kind of important there because it's, you know, if if you're just doing general bike maintenance, like usually going out, leaving home, going for a ride, coming back home, like you have like your tools and everything. But a weekend trip, you're probably like 
taking a toolkit with you, right? Or like you're taking a little mobile sort of stash, especially if you're going on like a, you know, a shorter or even like a three-day trip. Um, Liam and I just went on a trip with Chasing Epic to Moab, which we rode for four days and we drove there. So we took a, we took a hell of a mobile toolkit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More than your average uh, toolkit yep. for sure. But still kind of have that same situation of like, we don't have a chain cleaner. We don't have a hose. The normal yeah, stuff we we would clean a bike with, uh, we didn't have. So, um, yeah, I think uh, bike maintenance, you know, really is like what what do you need to touch up on a weekend trip? And especially if you're doing, usually when you go out on a trip, you do a little bit bigger ride than you're gonna do at home. Yeah, so true. your bike gets a little bit more thrashed, chain gets dirtier, more dry. Uh, you might need to check some more bolts, uh, like Bino. Uh, our buddy Brandon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His, his bike. Well, there was a couple of people on this trip we were riding with whose bikes like, were like, wow, that's not sounding so good. And then it was like, yeah, you have three loose pivot bolts. Do you know you should tighten these more often? Yeah. So, so you're, you're going to be riding a bit longer. Um, so you, you definitely need to touch up on some stuff. I think, yeah, the main thing, uh, is, is having a, a good rag, um, cleaning out your chain pretty well adding your chain lubricant and it's specific to where you're going too, right? If you're going to a very, very dry area like Moab, you need a really good dry chain lube. Um, you don't want to show up with a wet chain lube because your, your drive chain is going to get worse and worse over three days and then yeah. better and better. Um, now, if you're taking a trip to Washington this time of year and it's raining off and on every day, pack that, that wet chain lube. Um, so it's definitely specific to that. But yeah, keeping a chain clean wiping it down with the rag, applying lube. Um, and it, it can't hurt just to do it twice, right? Like wipe it down dry, add chain lube, wipe it down again, kind of get just more of that gunk off the chain. Um, and then adding a little bit more lube and, and just going that route. Um, I think it on a trip like that, you're doing bigger rides. It's going to keep your chain a little bit more lubed for a yeah. longer, longer time. Yeah, that makes sense. Something I wish we would have brought to Moab was just a cassette brush. Yeah. Yeah, because like it, the, it was so dusty and the dust was so fine powder, like our chains and our cassettes and pulley wheels on the trailers really kind of just like eventually got, you know, just gummed up and without a hose and a chain cleaner and like a whole, you know, setup we would have at the shop or at home, a cassette brush, which I mean, Park Tool sells them for like $12 or something. I don't even know for um, that much. Yeah, they might not even yeah. that much. It's a very simple, small tool that you should have at home and really easy to travel with. But yeah, cassette brush, really good microfiber rags to help clean your chain and wipe down the other air, various areas of your bike, like stanchions and dropper posts. Um, and then chain lube, of course, like those, those are like clutch. And then the other thing for me is like, I like doing a full on bolt check, which I was one of the few people there who was doing proper bolt checks, but that's probably just burned into my brain from being a racer. Um, I don't know. You tell me how important you think that is. No, I mean, I think it's important, uh, on after, what was it? I think captain Ahab, mm-hmm. um, that day is day two. I bashed my chain guide three or four times, probably three or four more times than I have out in SoCal. Yep. And my chain guide was loose. My rear derailleur bolt was slightly loose. My One of my shock bolts was slightly loose. Um, and I always check cranks and, and pedals as well. Yeah. Almost every other ride, even at home. Um, so I definitely think doing a good bolt check is also pretty key on those those trips. I mean, the last thing you want to do is be 
couple hours out from your car, let alone any tools or maintenance and have a crank fall off or a pedal fall off or a derailleur get loose, shifting totally. gets messed up. So leads to bigger issues. Yep. Um, and actually will start damaging a bike and could ruin your trip. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, for me, the key things I go to are like rear derailleur. For some reason, rear derailleurs just kind of like to wiggle themselves loose depending on where you're riding. Um, cranks, pedals, um, axles. I, those are like my sort of like instant go-tos when I'm missing anything. Those like rotor most, bolts. Yeah, rotor bolts. I, yeah. You know, I always used to check those, but I, I don't think I've ever found one come loose. I've had a center lock rotor probably multiple times come loose, but I've never just like regular yeah. old six-bolt rotors. Like I've never had those really come loose. Yeah, I think they still do. Um, I think it's one of those things where, especially if you're riding a newer bike on a trip, I yeah, definitely newer check bike those. is a whole different ball game yeah, of like if, making sure things are tighter. Yeah, if you have a you know six month old bike, year old bike, and you've been checking those a couple of times, like usually they they find their their snug spot and stay. But I'd always be safe again. Why yep. why risk it on a, a trip when it's like check a couple bolts? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't take long to just run through that stuff. Like you know, if you're done with your ride run through all that stuff get your bike dialed in and then tomorrow morning wake up and know that your bike is all ready to go yeah that's that's key and i mean i think pivot bolts are always important to check i mean that's kind of dependent on your bike and where you're riding and all of that sort of stuff but i don't know i i always check i mean the i was riding my uno out in moab and i mean i've checked the pivot bolts on that uno I mean, tons of times, like all this local at home, I go through that sort of little race prep as well as in Moab. Like I've never had a loose pivot bolt. Like that bike just yeah. didn't, that bike wasn't prone to them, but some bikes are just more prone to loose pivot bolts than others. Um, and you know, especially like, you know, if, if it's a newer bike pivots are way more important to check than if it's like a little bit older, but pivots are probably, yeah, I always go like cranks, pedals, rear derailleur, axles, um, brake rotor bolts, pivots. Those are really key things to like, just double check yeah what so, else what else weekend trip wise would be like good just maintenance things to have i mean before you go on a weekend trip tire sealant yeah preparation prep, is key yeah, here yeah prep, preps a lot <laughs> yeah, of everything it, right? we just said was only relevant if you properly prepped your bike before your weekend trip yeah so definitely tire sealant before you go um and uh yeah i don't know i think on the on the trip really it's Chain, I wipe down the stanchions with a very clean microfiber that's like specific to just stanchions. And yeah, have one microfiber yeah. for your stanchions. Don't get it confused chain. with the one for your chain, please. Yeah. <laughs> totally um, different. So, stanchions, chain, bolt check. Um, that's really it. I mean, do yeah. those three things and yeah, then a little check. cassette brush, just scrub yeah. off that cassette and chain and pulley wheels before mm-hmm. you do your little chain lube and clean. Yep. Yeah, I think you'll have a successful trip and hopefully don't have any bike issues. Yep. And uh, no tire issues, which kind of... Yeah, it's a good good segue into the next topic, right? Tires. So tires, man, tires. We talk about tires so much, you know, <laughs> whether it's yeah. just internally amongst arguing the, the staff here or it's on YouTube. We have a whole tires playlist because we've made so many different videos about various tire things. Um, the recent one we did was tire combos. I thought that that would be like just a helpful video in a sense because, um, you know, a lot of people just want to like, 
kind of have the mentality of just like, just tell me what to buy already. Like there's like, I've been researching tires and my brain's going to explode. I don't know what's good. Just tell me what to buy. Um, so the tires combos, tire combos video, the idea was to kind of just demystify it, simplify it. Like, Hey, here are my favorite combos. Um, here's what I think the best combos are and the best combos and most popular combos for downhill all the way to enduro, then to trail, then to XC. Um, and you know, I, I didn't include a whole bunch of Maxxis tires. So this was just Maxxis tires. Once again, trying to simplify it, let alone all the other various brands you could do, but just Maxxis tires. And I didn't even include like a whole ton of Maxxis models, just in my opinion, the best ones, the best combos for those various types of riding. So I think it helped. It definitely got a lot of good feedback, but it also got, of course, what we expected, which was like, oh yeah, but you forgot the high roller too. And you forgot this. And like, oh, that was great. But could you do it with Schwalbe? Cause I only ride Schwalbe. And it's like, okay, well <laughs> the yeah. tires topic just, it just never ends. Um, something we didn't touch on there too much was casings and compounds. And I think probably casings is a little more important than compounds, but, um, so just, just like a recap of that video, um, you know, on the downhill side, it was the Maxxis Asagai Asagai front and rear. I think the Asagai is like the grippiest tire ever. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Almost every condition it's going to be, uh, probably the grippiest tire you yeah. can get. Yeah, that thing is incredible. I mean, it certainly is not lightweight and it doesn't roll fast, but that's not the point. No. Um, the dissector, then so like a cool combo is a an Asagai dissector. So Asagai in the front, dissector in the back. That lightens your rear end up and makes it roll a bit faster, um, which I thought was which is a pretty dialed setup. Um, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed that because dissector is quite a bit different than the Asagai for sure. I mean, oh, yeah. totally different tread pattern and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, then another tire setup, which to lighten it up even a bit more, um, which this was the one I ran in New Zealand when I was there for a week riding with New Zealand mountain biking, I did a DHR two in the front and a dissector in the back. And I think I had was EXO both on that, on that tire setup. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, and then beyond that, then what I normally ride locally almost all the time is a DHR2 in the front um, and then a recon in the back, which is even lighter weight. It's kind of like almost like an XC tire probably. Yeah. Um, EXO on both of those. And 2.4. Yeah, and, and 2.4. So that's yeah. like my most common go-to is a DHR2 recon, um, EXO, and then 2.4. So that's like my most common trail bike setup. Um, I change it up depending on where I'm going. Like when we went to Moab, I did what I do, Asagai in the front, 2.5. Yeah. And then what was in the rear? Dissector, Dissector 2.4. Two and those are EXO plus casing. EXO plus, yeah. yeah. So you have like EXO, EXO plus, which is a little bit more durable. Just a touch, yeah. Just a touch. And then double down, which is yet again a little bit more durable. It's actually two 120 TPI casings. So it's two XE tire casings. On top of each other. Yeah. So double down's like significantly more robust yeah. than an, even an EXO plus. Yeah. And like way more robust than an EXO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then downhill, which is like pretty rare. I mean, that's like a really robust, like the downhill casing is yeah. hardcore. So yeah, I mean, tire casing, that's, that's where it gets interesting because I, I'm only 150 pounds. I'm a small guy. So I, I, I don't really care to run heavy duty tires. I also... I also am just a weight weenie. So like, even if I'm going somewhere where I could probably, like probably should be running double down. I just don't want to, I'd rather ride EXO plus, or maybe even try and get away with the EXO. 
Um, maybe not the best thing to recommend, but I don't know. It's just kind of my preference, but you're a bit differently and you're always running way heavier tires than I ever would. Yeah. On my trail bike and duro bike, um, my usually I have two bikes. I have a lighter travel, lighter weight, shorter travel bike, and then a more heavy duty, more travel bike. Um, I don't categorize them that much. I just kind of ride them as they are. Um, right now I'm on SP 130. It's built up basically as beefy as you can make an SP 130. Lunch um, ride plus plus. Lunch ride plus. Yeah. <laughs> Lunch for those that don't know, uh, Yeti does offer uh, one the SP 130 29 inch wheel travel 130 in the back and they're 150 in the front. Yeah. Yeah. And so they offer like a variant called the lunch ride, which is what 160 in the front. Mm -hmm. And then they have a longer stroke rear shock yeah, on it for 137 out back. Yeah. So that's what they call their, is that only on the 130? Like that's Correct, the only one. Yeah. yeah. So that's what they call their quote unquote lunch ride. So when I was saying lunch ride plus plus, I was saying Liam's 130 is built up like even more beefy and robust than like what Yeti considers their yeah. beefy, robust lunch ride to be. Yep. So you, you overbiked that I thing. I overbiked it a lot, yeah. which also leads to over specking tires yeah so makes sense um most of my bikes i i like the dh the maxis minion dhr2 uh i think it has a really good rolling speed to kind of consistent grip and it's not gonna be the most grippy it's not an ass guy but i think it's the most consistent riding locally going to moab i can go to you know northern utah which i was at earlier this summer and go to santa cruz it's just kind of like the most consistent tire yeah. i find and it's versatile it and clears mud really well totally yeah, yeah. and it um, works great in the dust so. yeah and another cool thing is you run two of the same tires you wear out the rear front to the back only buy one tire little money saving mm -hmm. trick um but yeah so for on that sp130 i'm running dhr2 2.4 front double down casing uh in the back same tire, Minion DHR2, 2.4 downhill casing. Um, so definitely on the you know most most or more aggressive side of tire casings. Uh, I originally built the bike up with double down, double down to do the wear out trick front to back mm -hmm. and keep buying a new front tire. Uh, bike was like four days old, I think, in Park City, and I sliced a double down tire. Yeah. Uh, so I threw a DH on cause I, that's what I brought as a backup and I've kind of ran the DH for the rest of the summer. Um, but it, I will say when I was riding that bike in Moab, uh, after I think second day, I was over that downhill casing tire yeah. climbing 5,000 feet. Yeah. We did a lot of climbing. Um, yeah. And I wish I had brought more of like a EXO plus front double down rear, um, just lining it up a little bit. But my thought behind the big casing is I can run slightly lower tire pressures, not ruin rims. Again, I'm only 150 pounds, same with Jeff. So traction is a hard thing to do at our weight because we don't have really the weight just all out gripping the tires. Yet, if I take a dumb line and I jump into some rocks, uh, I don't want to smash rim. Yep. So it's definitely a fine balance, and I think the thicker tire casings help with that. Um. Just, yeah, kind of taking more dumb lines and making it through without ruining a, a rim or slicing a tire. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty 
like it does need to be you gotta be thoughtful with it and what i mean by that is like if your riding style is to like aggressively slash corners and kind of jump into rock gardens at full speed or try and gap them and potentially not totally clear them and land halfway in them yeah so like (laughs) And and you're kind of notorious for dinging rims, you know, then if you're notorious for dinging rims and rotting in the way I just described, you're probably also like notorious for slicing tires open. And like you just need to learn who you are and where you're riding and then realize like, wow, when what, at what point do I need to go double down casing? At what point do I need to go downhill? Or at what point do maybe I need to step down? Like, man, I've had double down for a long time mm-hmm. since they came out and I've never once hit the rim. Like, I don't know, you could probably shave some weight off your bike and run the same tires in an yeah, EXO totally. casing or EXO plus. And it's always nice to save, shave weight on like something that has uh, rotational weight like tires. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it does just need some thought and it really does come down to like where you're riding and how you're riding. And then just like your past experience, you know, like, are you, are you gentle on the bike? You know, how much do you weigh? Um, bigger guys are going to have a different situation when it comes to slicing tires and trashing rims and all that sort of stuff. So I don't know, just, it just takes some thought and it does take some experience of just like being on the bike for a couple of years or so, Mm -hmm. which makes it a hard topic for people who are newer to the sport. Cause then they're like, well, what do I, what do I get? Like, I don't really know exactly where I'm going to ride. Yeah, totally. It's like, Oh, I don't know. (laughs) It's, it's tough. I, I will say though, I think tires are like my favorite thing about a bike. Cause you just by the swap of a tire, you can make a bike feel differently. Yeah, very true. And it's also, they're expensive, but they're not very expensive in the grand scheme of like mid to high end mountain bikes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like a pretty inexpensive like thing that makes a dramatic change yeah. to how your bike performs. Definitely. You go from an yeah. EXO casing and a downhill casing, same tread, same width, it's going to feel completely different on trail. Um, and I think mm-hmm. I've just, on the bigger bikes, I've just kind of gotten used to that thicker tire feel and I just like it more. Um, I, it's really hard thing to explain, but it just has a different feel to it. So I think it's a great thing to experiment with. I'm a complete tire nerd. I have a full spreadsheet that breaks down model to width, to weight, to casing, um, across pretty much Maxis, WTB, Schwalbe, uh, just to kind of find that like, again, it's a balance, right? To find that weight to toughness to grip ratio. Um, and just trying to trying to get that right for where I'm riding and how I want to ride that bike. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think, yeah, it is super fun to experiment with. And it does boil back down to, like, if you're new to it or you're changing tire brands, like, it's probably smarter to, you know, err on the side of thicker casing tires. Because, like, you know, just think about it. Like if you're just doing little 30 minute loops from your house and you're not too worried about it, and you just want your bike to be lighter and like, yeah, maybe step down to an EXO, um, and just go for it. But if you're going on these like more extensive two, three, four hour rides, or you're, you know, driving an hour to go ride somewhere, like the, the less you want that tire to rip yeah. in that case. So yeah, just, just consider that. I, yeah. I'm usually like my trail bike that I ride locally all the time. I'm really just doing rides that are not that far away from, from home and from the shop here. So I run lighter, sketchier tires. Cause like, I like how light they are and how efficient the bike feels with them. And I'm not too worried about slashing them because I don't know, then my bike ride just turns into a hike and that doesn't, doesn't really bother me too much, but some, sometimes yeah. it might bother you if you need to get home. Cause you have a wife and kids. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah. 
And maybe that's another reason why I do lean towards bigger tires too. You know, I do some Santa Barbara backcountry rides or, you know, head out on trips and stuff. And yeah, the last thing I want is to slice a tire 20, 30 miles out from my car. Like, yeah, that's, that's a bad situation. Yeah, absolutely. um, And then you're limping a tube. I think every time you put a tube in, you're going to flat again. It's almost a guarantee. Yeah. So I'd rather not flat the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Different mentalities, a lot of personal preference, um, and just where you're riding, what you're riding, how you're riding, a lot goes into it, which is why it's such a confusing topic. So, um, yeah, endless, endless array of things on the internet to learn more about tires. Um, but yeah, hopefully there's enough to start out. You go in circles with tires. You could say you go in circles with tires. I'm sure a lot of people feel like that. Um, well, to, uh, to move on from tires, let's finish it out with what we're riding and, uh, obviously mention the tires on those bikes. So I, you know, previously had been riding an Uno dash, um, it just sold and went out of the shop today. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to dearly miss that bike. I loved, I really, really liked that bike. Um, but I'm currently building a Revel Ranger, which I'm really excited about. And that is a Revel's down country bike. So 120 millimeters of travel in the front, 115 in the back. Um, I think it's going to be an amazing bike for local stuff. And basically when they came out with that and we were like, wow, this is like the Conejo Valley. We live in the Conejo Valley area. So I was like, this is the Conejo Valley bike. And I think Liam and I agreed on that one. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's like still in the build process, but what tires am I even putting on that? I, I, I forgot <laughs> Liam if you um, didn't catch this already I don't do a ton of my bike stuff Liam really takes care of most of it for me because so he's good on, at it on that one we're actually going with the Revel spec pretty much so yeah which is Dissector, Dissector Recon, Recon right? yeah. 2424 which is even which, lighter than a DHR2 Recon yeah. the Dissector in the same size is lighter than a DHR2 we might have had a, a slight say in that also in that yeah, that's true. Spec. When when the, yeah, that is true. <laughs> Those guys did ask us like when they were working on that spec, like what do we think would make sense? And yeah, we we mentioned that combo. So yeah, I yeah. think it's a great combo for that kind of riding. It's, it's yeah, good downcountry tire. Yeah, so. lots of grip, but still rolls fast. You're not really compromising, and you still get big volume. And yeah, you can kind of ride like a 120, 115 bike over what it's you would normally. Yeah, if it came with some some skinny you know, treadless tires to go fast. Like yep. that bike wouldn't be as fun. Yeah, true. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, so that bike will have um Industry Nine Trail two seventy wheels on it, right? Um did I do the twenty fours on that did, one too? Yeah. yeah. So that one's gonna be super light. That's what I ran on the Uno too. Um those things I love those things. Just super light and just gorgeous looking. Um, we will have E13 XCX cranks, lightest carbon production mountain bike crank set, right? Um, so. is it still the lightest? I, I mean, they so. said that at one point, but you never know. Like, yeah, <laughs> you never know. I think they are for carbon. I want to say that EE wing titaniums might like squeeze them out, mm. but I have to double check weight on Made those. by Cane Creek FYI. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. So anyways, like super, super lightweight, but good stiff cranks. Um, yeah, and then didn't RockShox set up so RockShox Sid up front, and then their Sid Lux rear shock. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then SRAM Eagle drivetrain, but with some funky, weird stuff going on. So this is this is maybe not the best idea, but my thought was um, on a lightweight bike like that that I'm going to ride locally, I really didn't need the entire range of Eagle at my fitness level, so I didn't want the 52-tooth large cog. So the And I wanted to like shave weight on the rear derailleur, so I was like, well, I could run SRAM 11 speed, still works great, um, or... And uh, I don't know how, I think we collectively came up with this ridiculous idea. It was like, let's take a SRAM Eagle derailleur and take the cage off of it, put an 11 speed SRAM cage on it. Then let's take the Eagle cassette 10 to 52 and Dremel off the 52 tooth large cog. So Liam has yet to do that, but he's going to soon, right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I want to make sure the derailleur works before I take a Dremel. Because I could reverse the derailleur if need be. But I can't reverse really a chopped up That's an three, expensive, $400 Sam Eagle cassette. To test. So um, We might totally and completely regret this. But and if so, we, it'll be we will on, see. It'll be on video. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we we will openly admit if this was a terrible idea, um, and SRAM will look at us and just shake their head. But um, you know, that's it's fun to do these things. Yeah. What that's, else are you running on that bike? Do you know? Uh, KS Post. <laughs> we went over the build spec a long time ago. I mean, so we went over the whole build spec like two months ago, I think, and it, and then it was like the frame took a long time to show up because of COVID. And then every other single part took a long time to show up because of COVID. And now it's finally all here. Um, so yeah, I almost forgot a lot of the spec. Right. <laughs> so it is a KS carbon LEV carbon post weight weenie status right there. Um, and I don't even remember what saddle WTB Silverado with carbon rails, mm-hmm. uh, one up bars, right? One up carbon bars. I really enjoy those things. Um, what brakes am I doing? G2 RSCs by SRAM? Uh, yeah. G2 Ultimates, I believe. Ooh, Ultimates. Yeah. Fancy. That's nice. Yeah, things should look really good. I'm I'm definitely excited for that bike. I think it's going to come out looking amazing, and I just think it's going to be a really good bike for the winter time here um, where I'm never going to bike parks because bike parks are closed in the winter. So perfect local ripper trail bike to have. Um yeah, so that's that's what's currently in the build queue for me. And Liam, you also have a Rebel Ranger. Somehow you got yours built up way faster than mine. I wonder how that happened. Well, the frames... Prioritized your own bike build over mine. <laughs> uh, partially. Frames arrived at the same time. I happen to be a bit more prepared and have... Uh, Low blow. <laughs> have parts laying around since I knew about this bike in spring. Once I knew this bike was coming, I said, I want one. Uh, and I started collecting parts for it kind of before COVID actually really got, yeah, it affected the industry. Yeah. So I was able to snag up a luck lot of parts right there. That was luck. Yeah, that was, that was luck. Um, but then the frame took a, you know, a while to come, which is no one's fault really, except exploding industry demands. Yep. Um, so it's actually pretty similar spec to yours. Um, same suspension, so, Rock shocks front and rear, Sid Ultimate front, 120, Sid Lux out back. Um, wheels, I actually have E13 XCX we, carbon wheels, 24 internal, so they're a bit narrow. Um, 24 internal, huh? Yeah. The XC ones. But yeah. I really like the weight on them. Um, they do make a thing of 28 internal, but they're about 150 grams heavier. 
Yeah. So I think these wheels are under 1,400 grams for stiff carbon wheels that yeah. I have yet to damage. But um, then what size tires on a 24 internal width? 2.3 Minion DHR2s. Front and rear? Front and rear. Hmm. EXO casing, 3C compound. So I still get a 2.3 tire. It measures about 2.3 with a 24 internal. Um, it's wide enough to support that, but the weight of that tire and wheel combo is awesome. Um, I really enjoy that. So that's kind of why I have it on there. And and I have a bigger bike, so I can ride that, Yeah, you know, light trail XC rides. I'll throw on a lighter Ardent Race or Icon out back if I'm doing a real XC day yeah. and keep the, the DHR up front. Um, then cranks-wise, I have the same E13 XCX carbon cranks. Um, I actually do have an 11-speed SRAM drivetrain on that as well. Kind of for the same reason that Jeff does. I just don't think I really needed the full Eagle range. I like the way the smaller 11-speed derailleur looks and is not as close to tagging rocks. Yep. Um, yeah, a little more clearance, shave some weight, yeah. definitely sacrifice a significant amount of gear range. Totally. But on a bike like that, if you have good fitness, you know you probably don't need that full Eagle yeah. range. No. Um, I have reverb axis dropper post, one-up handlebar and a Richie trail stem at 45 millimeters, kind of like a low in between from a 40 and a 50. Um, SRAM G2 RSC brakes. And I think that's, you know, kind of covers it. Physique, uh, on Terra's saddle carbon yeah. rails, which I kind of run on all my bikes, at least that, that model saddle just mm. works for me. And I'm probably on the more sensitive side for saddles. So, I just kind of stick with what works and don't change it ever. Yep. Um, Makes sense. And yeah, and the whole bike weighs about 26 pounds, which is... That thing's at 26? Yeah. With pedals? Yeah, 26 with pedals. Wow. Um, That's impressive. So, hence the wheel, why I really like yeah. those wheels and tires, because if I ran something a little bit heavier, it'd probably be closer to the 26 and a half, 27 range. Yeah. So, so. you took a you took a Revel Ranger, which is a downcountry bike, 120 in the front, 115 in the back, and you like... Parts wise, leaned it towards an XC setup with those wheels at least. And the, the drive wheels, train. yes. The tires are probably trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I consider it more of like a a lightweight trail bike. Yeah, because I can ride it hard. Yeah, um, but like wheels and cranks wise, and cranks, we would slant towards XC definitely. And then like your Yeti SB one thirty, which that is you know one thirty in the back. Um. That you slanted towards like way heavier enduro, so you put the longer stroke shock on it, yep. which gives it what one thirty seven. Yeah, so one thirty seven, and, then, uh, and then fork you have the Zeb. Yeah, I have a Zeb at one sixty, which is ultimately too much fork. Yeah, um, but we had it for testing, and I really liked the way it felt. And the plan was just to have it and get a bigger, longer travel bike and bump it up to one seventy one eighty, where that Zeb should live. Um, one sixty is a bit overkill. Uh, yeah, and then the rest of those parts on that bike are also pretty beefy. Code RC brakes, downhill brakes, 200 yeah. rotors front and rear, uh, DT Swiss 511 rims, which are like their downhill 30 mil internal rim. Uh, we already went over tires on that. I got a mm -hmm. DHR double down front, DHR downhill casing rear. I do have a new full range Eagle 10 to 52 tooth um, on that. I run XO1. Uh, XO1 cassette, 
No, XX1 cassette. I actually run GX derailleur and GX shifter on that bike. Um, the new one, like the, the new, new one, revised yeah. GX as of what, June it came yeah. out? Yeah. Um, and I actually put a XL1 uh, derailleur bolt on there because it's a little bit sturdier bolt and it takes up some of that play for getting real mm. nerdy. But the reason why I do the GX is I'm way more likely to smash a derailleur on the bigger travel bike when I'm going through rocks. I'm also yep. more likely to crash um, and it won't hurt as much to replace that. So, yeah, yeah. Hurt, um, hurt your wallet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then I got a one-up dropper post on there. Um, 180 mil travel. 180 mil travel dropper. Yeah. And then a physique on Terra's saddle again on that. Uh, stem, I have an E13 40 mil stem paired with a carbon 35 mil riser bar. Um, so I do have a 35 rise on that. Uh, reason being, I really like the reach number on the 130. So by over forking it, I kind of eat up a couple millimeters of that reach. Yep. Um, so the over fork, longer travel fork lifts the front end of the bike up, which then like kind of pulls it back towards the rider. Correct. So that's what he meant when he said eating yeah. up the reach. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So then um, I put the stem down as far as I can go. So slam it down to the headset cap to kind of bring that front end back out lengthwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so the 35 mil riser bar puts me exactly kind of where I want the bars and the balance of that bike. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I could run a 20 mil bar and 10 mil spacers and be at the same spot, but just getting nitpicky on bike setup there. Yep. Yeah, that is. But I mean, that's part of the fun of it. I think that's why like we like it. And so many of the people in the mountain bike world like it because it's just fun to change yeah. stuff and try new things and upgrade things. And um, I don't know. That's that's part. Of, that's the whole part of the sport. That's enjoyable. So. All right. Well, cool. Hopefully that was of value to you guys. Um, let us know, feel free anytime to, uh, you know, ping us at worldwide cyclery or our Instagram at MTB podcast, um, or you can send an email to podcast at worldwide Um, we can answer that no problem. And we're going to try and do some more like listener questions and stuff, um, in the, in the future episodes, but, uh, yeah, let us know any feedback you guys have on this and, uh, rate your podcast right isn't that what people say on podcasts wherever you get your podcasts you can please leave us a rating sometimes i listen to the wall street journal podcast and they say that as the outro is that right leave us five stars leave us five stars leave us six stars if you can all right well anyways thank you guys for listening this long you're amazing dj pineapple play a sound effect close us out